Hi everyone, it's Katie and welcome back to the Miss Independent Podcast. I'm here with... Hi everyone, it's Nika. Welcome back to the Miss Independent Podcast where we teach women how to be more confident investors and entrepreneurs and go further in their careers. Today we're going to be talking about taxes. We're finishing off this segment and the reason why we're talking about taxes is because one, it's tax season season with an SZN because we live in the six and Drake is our our biggest influence out here. Um, But also as of right now, 70% of our listeners come from Canada. So for this year, while the majority of our listeners are Canadian, we're focusing this tax season on Canada. And next year, as our audience grows, hopefully we'll, we'll definitely do a whole segment on the American tax system for our American listeners. Before we get into it, I think taxes are kind of like a subscription that you pay to society uh it's something that you know it's it's annoying in my opinion i don't necessarily always agree with all of the uses that our wonderful government has towards um you know taxation and and where they actually use those funds unfortunately in our current political um system you can't necessarily vote on where your taxpayer dollars are going but you you do um get some insight into what kind of services they go towards so i think like if you think about some of the core things that taxes go towards which is like roads and highways um hospitals you know education in our amazing country healthcare, defense you know police like uh, fire um parks libraries like there's so many different things that taxes go towards and a lot of these programs are so beneficial to society so in that sense when i think about taxes i think there's a lot of good that this money is used for yeah and i think that you know one of the reasons why people are so crazy about politics whether that be you know american politics or canadian politics is because they really do care about where their tax dollars are going and voting on a certain party or a certain individual kind of gives them a i don't know a hope or a glance into like how their tax dollars are going to be spent yeah i think you're definitely right a lot of the political divide that happens between people is a divide between where people's taxpayers are, are going and i think one of the the biggest thoughts that that people have about taxes is that you know tax revenue is a way to redistribute wealth to lower income individuals and families through funding things like social programs and you know old age security um, in canada we have a lot of of benefits like the child care benefit or social assistance that our taxpayers um, contribute towards and, and they help all kinds of different industries like we talked about before. So yes. I, I made the analogy that like taxes are a subscription service that you pay to society. But let's say somebody wants to unsubscribe or let's say somebody didn't earn any money um, or lost their job due to COVID. Do they still have to file their taxes? Yes. If you didn't make any money because of COVID or because you're not working this year or didn't work majority of the year, you still need to pay your taxes. But with that being said, if you don't owe the government any tax, there is no penalty for a late filing, but you won't find out if that's actually the case until you file your tax return. So another reason you should definitely file your taxes is because you also may be leaving some government credits or refunds on the table if there's actually a refund owed to you. Also, it's a lot easier to do your taxes every year on a yearly basis rather than wait and then file five years worth of taxes all at once. 
Okay, that was a really great thing that you brought up about the government owing you money. There's a whole section. Um, if you go into the CRA website, like you log in through one of their partners, which is usually a bank that you give access to, but there is a whole section on there um, for checks, refund checks that you, let's say you moved, um, but it's money that the government owes you that you haven't taken advantage of. So I highly recommend for everyone to log into the CRA account and try to find um, if you're owed any refund checks. You could be leaving money on the table. Let me Free tell money, you. exactly. Money, unfortunately, doesn't grow on trees. So anywhere you can get money back from the government, I highly suggest you don't sleep on that and figure that out. Yeah. Speaking of getting money back from the government, this year, a lot of people were working from home. So that's a huge way for you to get back some money when you're filing. Um, so Katie, I'll let you get into it because Miss Accountant has all the info for you guys. Without really getting into it, because there's a lot of details and dry stuff that comes along with this, essentially the government created a temporary work from home claim. So essentially, if you worked more than 50% of the time from home for a period of at least four consecutive weeks in 2020, due to the COVID-19 pandemic. And if your employer did not reimburse you for all your home office expenses, you are eligible for the maximum claim of $400 or $2 per day for a maximum of 200 days. So what's great about this new temporary method is that you don't need to keep any supporting documents for anything you purchased for your home office, whether that be like a new comfy chair or a monitor. And you don't need to calculate the size of your workspace and your employer doesn't need to provide you with a T2200, which you needed before in order to claim some work from home expenses. So the T2200 is basically a tax form that you fill out, but the government this year actually um, created a simplified version of it, the T2200S. And they have a calculator in there that helps you figure out um, if you qualify for more deductions. So the $400 that you get, definitely log into your CRA account and see if you qualify for it. If you worked from home during COVID, um, you, you usually, like you should. So log in and take a look. But if you wanted to use the detailed method, if you wanted to file a T2200, it's a normal form that people filed, like people that in general or in regular times work from home. And it lets you actually in detail break down your home office expenses. So what Katie was talking about, about figuring out like how much square footage of your house you use for your office, um, all of that you can include in the T2200. But the downside is one, it has to be signed by your employer. So that's something that's really important. That's why I think the government brought in this $400 flat rate um, deduction, because it would be a huge burden for every single employer that has had people work from home this year. Um, if they had to sign T2200s as well. The T2200 takes a little bit more time to fill out. The government or the CRA has a calculator that you can use to figure out like what square footage of your place that you're either renting or owning. You have your home office space in, you can um, expense things like internet. So there's a little bit more that you can, you can expense, but the downside is when it takes time to you need your employer to sign it. And the work from home tax credit is a much faster and easier way for you to, to get some money back for working from home. And another thing with the T2200 is there's a lot more criteria you need to meet in order to be eligible for more. I think there's like 13 different questions that you have to answer yeah. and, 
it, so it's definitely a little bit more lengthy, but you know, if you wanted to get some more money, um, you can throw your hat at it. Well, while we're on the topic of ways to get a little bit back while doing your tax return, one thing that's really important when you're doing your taxes is there certain credits and benefits that you can sign up for. And, you know, if you have an account that usually files it for you, they know exactly what to do. But if you're doing it on your own, um, if you're using Wealthsimple, which used to be Simple Tax, or let's say TurboTax, whatever platform you're using, they will ask you if you qualify for certain benefits. So there's uh, childcare expenses like the Canadian Child Benefit, which is something that you can definitely sign up for. Um, there's the Trillium Benefit. And like the childcare benefit, there's there's other ones that you qualify for, you could qualify for. So definitely take a look as you're filing them and make sure you are looking into each one of those benefits and seeing if you, if you qualify. Another thing that I highly recommend is starting your own business. Like you guys know, I'm an entrepreneur. I love um, being an entrepreneur, but one of the huge benefits of running a business is that you can file things and you can expense a lot of things that you use for your business. And a lot of things that people didn't know that you can expense are things like vehicles. Um, you can expense things that you use in your home office, like your computer, your internet, your cell phone bill. There's a lot of different things that you can expense. Uh, food, corporate bonding activities. So like if you and your partners were to, let's say, go on a snowmobiling trip or pay for flights to Revelstoke to go skiing, those are all business expenses. I'm mm -hmm. not, not like I'm talking from personal experience. There's a lot of benefits from starting your own business when it comes to things you can write off from a tax perspective. One thing actually I wanted to circle back and talk about on the topic of if if you need to file your taxes is if you have a tax payable and you didn't file your taxes, there is a penalty of around 1% of the balance you owe. And you need to pay that penalty of 1% per month. And if you think about that again, that's approximately 12% in penalties on the balance you owe per year, which is a lot. Yeah, 12% is definitely a lot. So Highly recommend. Always, always try to do things on time. I mean, in general, one of the biggest rules of life that I try to live by is don't procrastinate. And I mean, it's a lot easier said than done, but taxes is one of those things that you definitely don't want to procrastinate on. The last day this year to file your taxes in Canada is April 30th. So try to do it before then. Um, if you've got some time this weekend, try to get it done earlier or just make an appointment with your accountant if you get somebody to file for you. Exactly. If you're one of those people and you're honest with yourself and you know you procrastinate and you just hate filing taxes, then just pay someone to do it. I mean, it's not that expensive anymore. Like I would know because I don't think I've ever paid anyone to file my taxes or do my tax return for me, but I can't imagine it being that expensive. So just get it done. You don't have to worry about it for another year and uh, avoid these crazy penalties that may come if you don't. Uh, in the last episode, we talked about contributing, um, or once you get your tax refund, putting that money towards your TFSA. So I know we talked about RSPs last week where um, we broke down how much to contribute, what those limits are. But you know, with TFSAs, that's an entirely different account that's also very critical for somebody that wants to build wealth to have. Um, so Katie, what, what thoughts do you have on taxes and just the TFSA in general? Because you're the best person that I personally know to ask about this. So I'm also asking just out of my own curiosity, but hopefully anyone else that's listening to this can get some value from it too. 
Yeah, so we get asked a lot when the limit on the TFSA increases or when people can contribute to their TFSAs each year. And the answer to that is every January 1st, a new contribution room or limit is introduced. And another question that we get asked a crazy amount is if people can transfer stocks to their TFSA rather than contributing cash. So the answer to this is yes. So instead of contributing 6K, which I think was the limit for, or the contribution room for 2020, you can transfer $6,000 worth of stocks from let's say your investing or your cash account or a taxable account to your TFSA. But something to keep in mind with this is that your stocks will be transferred at the market value. So what they're worth now rather than the book value, which is what you bought them at. And the contribution room will be valued as the market value of the stocks you're transferring over. So with that being said, it's really important to keep in mind that when you transfer stocks from a taxable account, such as your investing account, to a non-taxable account like your TFSA, there's something called a deemed disposition that takes place, which means that the government assumes that you sold the shares and rebought them. So they assume that your taxable account, let's say your investing account, sold the shares and your non-taxable account, like your TFSA, bought them. And they do this because they want to see if you owe the government any money. For example, if again you have $6,000 worth of stocks that you paid $1,000 for, if you tra transfer those $6K worth of stocks from your investing account to your TFSA, you have a $5,000 gain and the government wants their money. So when you do this, you owe taxes on the stock, even though you never sold it, if that makes sense. So it's really important to be careful when considering transferring in assets such as stocks or ETFs into your TFSA rather than contributing cash. That's a really, really good point that you brought up, Katie. I think for anybody that's new to investing and hasn't decided what accounts they need to open or hasn't done their research, a TFSA is something that we've talked about in our previous episodes, so definitely go back and listen. But this is a prime example for why if you're starting off in investing, you shouldn't be doing it in a general investing account. You should be doing it in an account that's sheltered from tax so that you don't have to pay capital gains. Yeah, and my advice, I don't know if I'm qualified to give advice, but what my advice would be is if you don't have the $6,000 or the contribution limit to put in for that year, don't worry about it. Wait until the next year when you have more money to contribute. I would really stay away from transferring stocks in lieu of cash when contributing to your TFSA. So talking about gains and losses, there is something called tax loss harvesting. What exactly is tax loss harvesting? So if you have investments like stocks or ETFs that are worth less than what you paid for them, you are in a tax loss position. So if you currently have a large capital gain from let's say flipping a house or selling stocks at a gain, you can sell these investments at a loss to offset the taxes you owe. Let me try and explain this a little better because I don't know if that came across the way I wanted it to. So let's say you have a lot of gains from making money off of selling stocks. 
and you have some stocks that you've lost quite a bit of money on. Well, not lost because you haven't sold, but you're in the position where, you know, they've gone down a lot in value and you need to sell them. So you're in this like tax loss position. If you sell those stocks and have what is called a capital loss, you can take that loss to offset that capital gain that you had on all these other assets that you sold out of gain. So basically, guys, for anybody like me who maybe hasn't done well on certain stocks and is holding them in the hopes that they go up, if you do sell them and you incur a capital loss, that counterbalances or counteracts some of the gains that you've made. So we're not necessarily talking about um, capital gains or losses in your TFSA because that's sheltered from tax anyways. But let's say like you you have these investments in just like a generic, a cash account or an investment account, which is something that you would open up after you've maxed out your TFSA contributions. Let's say you go through a loss, you can actually use that to, to, to pay less taxes. Exactly, Nika. So tax loss harvesting only works in taxable accounts. And for those of you who are wondering, like, what's a taxable account? Why do people have taxable accounts? Essentially, if you're on top of your game and you are contributing the contribution limit every year to your TFSA, and you have extra cash that you're sitting on and want to invest, but have no more contribution room in your TFSA, you can open up a taxable account, whether that be an investing account, a cash account, And from there, you can invest in stocks. So from those accounts, if you invest in stocks or you have other types of capital gains, whether that be, again, like renovating a house, flipping it, selling a house, having a capital gain that way, you can use any losses you have in that taxable account to offset taxes that you owe. But the only time you should really be doing this and taking that tax loss position is if you needed or were planning on selling those investments anyways. If you were planning to hold them until they go up, then maybe selling isn't necessarily something that you'd want to do, but it's entirely up to you. Katie and I aren't providing any investment advice about whether or not you should sell or keep your stocks. We're, we're talking about different strategies for lowering your taxes payable. And just a small reminder, capital losses. So if you sold your assets for a loss, these losses can be carried back for three years and used to get a refund for previous years. So just a quick reminder before we move on from tax loss harvesting is that capital losses can be carried back three years and carried forward indefinitely. Meaning if you had a capital gain last year and pay tax, but this year you have a capital loss, you can get a refund for previous years or carry forward that capital loss to future years to offset any future capital gains that you might have. Yeah. So something that I want you guys to think about is, you know, should the government have the right to tax your investment income? Because that's Investment income is usually income that you've earned from somewhere else that you're putting into a vessel to generate more income. So should the government be able to, or should the government have the right to tax what your investments are? You're the one that's taking the risk. You're the one that's educating yourself and and going into all of these industries um, and putting your money into these different vessels. So should the government tax you at, at the rates that they do? And should that be counted towards the income that you earn? Yeah, they're essentially taxing you on money they already taxed you on. So, so they're kind of like double dipping. They're Yeah, they're always double dipping. So just to put into perspective for you guys, let's say, for example, you earned, uh, I don't know, 
$100,000 in employment income this year. And let's say you get taxed at around 50%. So you only take home 50,000 after taxes. And you say, you know what? $50,000 isn't as much as what I need or what I want to live off of. So I'm going to put my money to work for me. I'm going to go and I'm going to throw this money into the stock market. Once you make money from the stocks or hopefully make money from the stocks that you picked and that you invested in, should they be able to tax you on that money as well, even though they already initially taxed you on that money, if that makes sense? Do you agree that they get to keep taxing you on those same dollars over and over again? Katie, another great example of that is real estate. So let's say you take that 50K after tax, you've been saving it for a couple of years and you buy um, and you buy property in, in Toronto, at least, which Toronto is a very unique city, you pay double the property, their land transfer tax, you pay municipal and provincial on top of property tax. So there's all kinds of different ways that the government tries to double dip into the income that you earn. I want that to be something that you think about. Do you think the government should be allowed to tax you on income that they've already taxed you on? Because that income is coming from different sources. So definitely food for thought there. Another um, form of income right now that a lot of people are incurring is crypto assets like people owning crypto people buying and selling crypto so doge <laughs> dogecoin to the moon doge so how is crypto how are your crypto gains going to be taxed yeah all the hype is around crypto right now and and because it's still relatively new a lot of people might not know um, about how it's taxed and we're here to provide you with all the goods on that so essentially Cryptocurrencies are recognized as commodities by Canada's tax system and not actually as legal tender or currency. So commodities for reference are things like gold and silver. So crypto would be a digital intangible version of that. The Currency Act defines the Canadian dollar as the official currency in Canada. So even though cryptocurrency has the word currency in its name, they don't actually receive the same treatment. For example, your crypto wallet is not insured the way your bank account at a Canadian bank would be. And no store or service is forced to accept your crypto as a form of payment the way they would be with a Canadian dollar. So enough of that. Let's get into how crypto is being traded as a commodity and how that actually affects your taxes. Let's assume you are acquiring some cryptocurrency as an investment. So you are buying some Bitcoin with your Canadian dollars. You are not liable for any taxes yet, but the cost for buying the Bitcoin is relevant. So the cash you're actually paying for the Bitcoin plus any commissions or legal fees that are associated with purchasing that Bitcoin. When you do decide to sell that Bitcoin, and let's say you sell it for more than you paid for it, you must report this profit on your taxes as either a capital gain or as business income. Unfortunately, you don't get to choose what your profit is. So what I personally use to determine between whether my um, profits are business income or capital gains is to look at the criteria the Federal Court of Appeal uses to determine if someone is a day trader or not, meaning that they're in the business of buying and selling investments and that they must report this as business income on their tax returns. So the federal court looks at things like 
the frequency of transactions. So how often are you actually buying and selling your cryptocurrency? They look at things like the duration of holdings. So once you buy the crypto, how long do you actually hold it for before you sell it? And the third thing they look at is the intention to acquire the securities for resale at a profit. So the wording of that one is a little tricky to understand because you would think everyone has the intention to sell for a profit. But basically what that means is whether or not you originally bought this crypto as a long-term capital investment, or if you bought the crypto to turn it into a quick and substantial profit once the opportune moment came. So essentially, if you're going to take anything from this is that cryptocurrency is going to get taxed. You will either get taxed as a capital gain or as income. There are different types of criteria you can use to help you establish whether or not your profit is income or capital gain. There is a risk that your crypto will be 100% taxable if you constantly buy and sell crypto. Katie, when you say like there's certain criteria to determine whether or not you're a trader or not, and if you want to use capital gains or just if it's going to be taxed as income, where can I find information on that if I wanted to look into it and uh, understand how I'm going to be taxed for my crypto assets? Yeah, that should all be on the CRA website. And if you have any trouble with navigating, trying to figure out where to find certain criteria, my word of advice is just to pick up the phone and call the CRA and someone from there will assist you and help you figure out what criteria you need. If you call them, they might be able to assist you. Let's say you call them today in August of 2027. That's <laughs> No, I, I trust me, I've had to call the CRA before. Sometimes you're on hold for an hour, sometimes three hours. Like, it's crazy. It takes a long time to get a hold of them. So definitely try to find the information online because you're going to be wasting a lot of your time on hold. But everything everything is 100% available to you on the CRA website. One other note is that you cannot hold Bitcoin or any type of crypto in your TFSA or registered accounts. Unless... You bought shares of the Bitcoin ETF in your TFSA, in which case you are technically <laughs> holding Bitcoin in your TFSA. So another thing for you to think about. This whole episode was a little bit kind of thought-provoking if, uh, if it got you thinking, hopefully, about the purpose of taxes and whether or not you think the government should be allowed to tax your income on top of it already taxing your income. Um, we talked about a lot in this episode today. We talked about, you know, do you have to file your taxes? Yes, you do. <laughs> what happens if you've been working from home? Well, one, you get $400 from the government for free. Two, there's a whole other form that you can fill out to get some more money from the government if you wanted to. We talked about TFSA contributions. We talked about tax loss harvesting, um, which is a, a way to offset your capital gains. And then we talked about what happens to your crypto if you buy and sell and become a crypto trader, which... Not something necessarily that Katie and I condone because we're we're buying holders, let's say. We like to stay long and strong. But if you wanted to date You can't crypto, see me right now, but I'm flexing. <laughs> <laughs> Katie's been working out a lot, guys. You can't see her, but I can see those gains have been those those gains are coming in. That's all for today, guys. If you have any questions about some of the stuff that we've talked about, shoot us an email at media at Don't send us a DM because we get a lot of DMs and we may not get to it. But if you send us an email, chances are we'll probably answer you. And 
that being said, if you have any cool guests or ideas for future episodes, definitely give us a shout as well. We'd love to hear your thoughts or just give any feedback in general. And like I said, um, right now, the majority of you guys are lovely listeners come from Canada. But next year, as we hope to grow our audience in the state, we'll definitely do a whole episode on Roth IRAs and all kinds of different tax accounts that you guys have down there in the States. I don't think anybody from the U.S. listened to this entire episode to hear that reminder again, but we will be talking about American tax laws in the future. Not this year, but definitely in the future. Next week's episode is going to be a lot lighter. We have some of our awesome guests lined up. So all of March, all of April is going to be some fun content for you guys as we finally end off this segment on tax season because it is ending soon. Huge reminder also, if you're still listening to this, file your taxes before April 30th. Don't loaf. Don't be lazy. Just do it. I'm not, I'm not Nike. I'm Mika. (laughs) That's all. That was good. That was good. (laughs) Yeah. That's all for today. I was the one with the with the dad jokes. No, no. Okay, guys. Well, that's it for today. Until next time. Bye. Ciao, ciao.